in three, two, one. Today's business world is overflowing with innovative ideas and technologies. As a result, business owners face an increasingly competitive environment where consumer demands are increasing exponentially. This competition encourages innovative businesses to adopt more profitable, higher converting strategies to generate leads and convert them into customers. One such strategy proven to produce a significant return on investment is the use of video sales letters. A well-produced VSL can generate leads, convert leads into customers, and influence customer loyalty while increasing retention. If you're looking to level up your marketing, you're going to enjoy my conversation with marketing and VSL expert, Peter Kell. Peter, welcome to the podcast. We're delighted to have you. Now, where are we speaking to you from? I'm in Laguna Beach, California. Laguna Beach, California. I'm really excited about our program today, and you're an interesting character. I've had a chance to go through your website, look through a lot of your material, watch your videos at YouTube and, uh, and the site, and you've really got some interesting takes on things. And so I'm really excited to get there. You've really helped those in the financial market. You work in entrepreneurs, people with their own businesses. Now, how did a broke D student skateboarder get to living the life of his dreams? Long time hustle, long time hustle for sure. Just relentlessly going for the goals at the end of the day. I never really, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know, one of us, but I wasn't a guy who's not supposed to be living in this big ass fucking house with this amazing view with like the cars and everything and the, the two exits. Like I'm not really supposed to be that guy. I was supposed to be this like skateboarder broke guy. But what happened was I ended up getting stranded in my parents' basement in the middle of the woods and then go to college. And I got really depressed because I didn't have any life as a young guy. My young version of my life was being just destroyed to being left alone. I was basically in a prison. And eventually I discovered this idea of making money on the internet. And I kind of felt like I was looking for some way to make this, my 20s worth it because it felt like my early 20s were being sacrificed for nothing. So I had this idea like, man, if I could trade my early 20s really shitty for being super successful in my later 20s, like the young supercar guy, I would do that trade. I would sacrifice my early 20s for a dope later 20s. I was already sacrificed. They're already gone anyway, right? So I was right. like, yeah, I wish I got to make some sort of trade out of this. And then that was like really it. You know, it started out like not with the most healthy of drives, right? Um, because I accidentally ruined like heart all the way up till 25. It was completely bad. And I was like, man, I might accidentally just screw up my entire 20s. So that would be pretty catastrophic. So I was pretty hell-bent on this idea of if I accidentally ruined my entire 20s, I was just going to out myself. I was just going to kill myself. That was like my heavy deadline of a deadline, right? Where I was like, if I accidentally ruined my entire 20s, I'm just going to, I can't live like that. So I had a heavy deadline that when other people were going out to the club and going out to the party and trying to meet the girls, my roommates are like, why don't you rest? Why don't you chill? Why don't you like relax at the end of the day? I was like, I don't got fucking time for that. I got to go read a book. I got, time is ticking, right? Like a hard deadline. So it's weird. I think deadlines are like one of the most powerful things ever. Just having some solid deadline just will give you the energy at 6 p.m. to read the freaking book. You All right. So you've gone through high school. You're having fun. You're just hanging out with your buddies. You're skateboarding. Then you're just you're doing things from here. Your first job. What was your first job? Working at a grocery store. Driving huh? my mom's minivan, working at a grocery store, typical got fired, worked at another grocery store, didn't even want to have a job, had no like 
failed lemonade stands, right? Like not even a good lemonade stand, right? No, I think that's important too, because that's what drives it. So I know you did club promotion, you did all kinds of odds and ends. And then all of a sudden there's something that ticks off for you. All of a sudden you start, you know, going down a different road because you developed a mission to, you know, create the most amazing life you could ever imagine for yourself and others. And you kind of shifted the focus, I think, outside yourself to helping others. So tell us about that. Yeah. So just through the journey, I met some mentors. They really changed my life. They taught me the secrets to high volume advertising, which was the key to unlocking the dream life I was after was being able to create humongous campaigns on Facebook and YouTube. And eventually a lot of my goals was able to happen. You know, after being an affiliate practicing, I was able to start my own skincare brand. We got to 40 million. I was able to sell and ended up taking a bunch of ayahuasca in Costa Rica. And basically the big realization was like, I am tired of living for myself and tired of doing this, just creating the biggest life I can imagine. I want to go live more life with the best life that God has for me. So it was like this big pivot to like living for kind of God's plan. And uh, I mean, there's a lot to that point, right? I was still on this destiny to become one of the greatest direct response marketers. That was still one of my goals for a while. And it wasn't so one of our ads became number one in the world that I came across a quote, which was like, the master is not the one who's the best in the world. The master is the one who creates the most masters. So that was a big pivot for me to, okay, I became number one in the world. Now, what do I do? Do I either stick with it and try to be the reigning seven-year champion, number one in the world kind of guy? Right. Or do I start pivoting? I thought pivoting to helping other people get up there was more fulfilling and also more of a challenge and also really fun too, because I kind of wanted to do that anyway. So that was the big pivot to like having students start to achieve some great, great results. No, excellent. I think it's more fulfilling and purposeful too. And I think that's part of what you talk about. You say that money's the root of all freedom. That's an interesting concept. Go there. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if you don't have any money, I don't know about you, but when I don't have any money, like I don't have a lot of choices, right? You have no choices. All the things you want to do, you can't do. You want that, you can't have it. You want that, you can't do. You want to go there, you can't go there, right? It's a bunch of things you can't do. And then suddenly, as you have financial freedom, you have freedom. It's called financial freedom. So suddenly, now you have the freedom to live life exactly how you want to do it, right? Exactly. You want to go this way. You want to go that way. You want to do whatever you want. It is hands down the root of all freedom. And the lack of money is the root of all you know, just lack of freedom, right? Lack of choices. The lack of money is the root of all evil too, because that's they're always, always trying to get it. Oh, hands down. Yeah. How much money you have or don't have is not really connected to how evil you are as a person, right? If someone's evil, they'll be way more evil with money. But if someone's blessing people and loves hooking people up, they're going to be right. such a great giver. Yeah. And it would be such a crime for that person not to have money. They're very limiting. Was it a challenge for you to find a balance between making money is fine, it's enjoyable, you can do things, you can buy the nice cars, you can buy, but there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many things you can have and the reason why I want to have them. Like I remember when the early days or when you get a bestseller, it's, I got to have this. For me, it's airplanes. I was always a plane guy. Cars were nice too, but you know, not a big deal. I didn't know too much about them. I liked airplanes more. But it's finding that balance, that work-life balance, because money can also be a set of handcuffs for you as well. And so it's being able to employ that. Like I work with a lot of companies and work for some of Warren Buffett's companies, for instance, and in my past. And he's a guy who's, you know, tons of money, like tons of it, but you'd never know it. He just doesn't spend it and he's going to give over 99% of it away. Did you find the challenge at all in balancing that and 
I want to call it money maturity, if you will, developing a maturity around that because you were successful. And we're going to talk about how you got there and how others can get there and how you help others get there. But was there a time where it was like, okay, wait a minute, I need to put reins on this. It's not going to go forever. I need to get a healthier perspective of it. Or did you have that all naturally already? Oh, I didn't have it naturally already. When you grow up not having money, the first thing that you typically would do, right, is get all the things you've always wanted to get. So there is a long period of it. You goes in the door and it goes out the door, right? right? Life that you want to achieve. It's like, I don't personally plan on not working for a little while. Also, my financial goals revolve around having monster bags of wealth income into my life. For any like, you know, multifamily real estate kind of play, let's say like, like want to have passive income. For me, if I got to be dropping $40 million for that really to be interesting for me, right? The rest of that, just invest into myself, invest into my funness and just living the life I want to live because I refuse to have dreams be left behind. That's my main thing. Just make the plays that make it work. But it's also a different age. Warren is 80 years old, right? There's different evolutions. You always see those pictures of this is a guy. He's wearing like a Rolex and like some trendy things. And he's got a hundred grand net worth. And there's Mark Zuckerberg and he's wearing a sweater and he's worth billions. I'm like, good. They're totally different phases of what people think are fun and how they want to live their life. One way is better than the other way. Just like whatever you want to technically do, it's freedom to live life however you want to live at the end of the day. I think that's an important one. And if you enjoy watches and you like a nice Rolex, hey, go for it or whatever you like. Now you developed 12 rules, which I thought was interesting because there's obviously a formula to getting there. And what happens is people try things. They test things. Entrepreneurs test things. Companies try things. And I know you work with big companies, enterprise companies, entrepreneurs, people who are trying to achieve it. You developed that formula. Was there lots of failures getting to that formula, that recipe? And how's that recipe working in today's environment? The 12 rules, 12 rules, right? Yeah. That I had a lot of failures. I mean, I failed seven companies in a row, right? Before I finally figured out the truth, which was do not start another company, go become <laughs> an apprentice to a master, right? That was like, the lesson was actually don't start another business, you jackass. Stop it. Just go study under somebody who's way smarter than you, right? That was the big kind of key. Become an apprentice to a master. I don't know in what world that is never going to be the dopest game plan you could possibly have. Because all of a sudden, I went from being completely unknown, not having a credit card, and not really knowing what I was doing, to having super uber successful people tell me exactly what buttons to push, giving me a credit card of their own money that I could spend on ads, and having all of their connections, all of their legendary history and past, all of a sudden I'm in the center of all that and know everybody. Like complete shortcuts that I could never have done on my own from getting mentors. And that's happened with Mind Valley. That's happened with my old mentors. Yeah, very hard shortcut is the mentorship road, the partnership. I like saying partners, it's like partnering with somebody who's also a mentor, you know, who's 10 years ahead of you. So you're not like working under them, you're working together as business partners, but he just happens to be 10 years ahead of you. It's like a really solid hack. Right. And you want them where somebody you can follow, somebody you can see what they're doing, how they do it, then it's duplicating it. Now, in your rules, and you started off using different technologies and the technology started to evolve. Like in our day and in our early years, we didn't have, it was traditional advertising. Then Facebook came on and Instagram and of course, all the social, we've got 21 different channels of communication now. We have five generations of buyers. Does it matter how, like each generation is just a little different. I'm a baby boomer. So we absorb material and content differently than a Gen X or Gen Y. In your training and in your mentoring programs, does that matter? Or do the formulas work across all of those channels? Or do you have a specific channel? I know we're going to talk about BSLs and why those are important and how you did it. Was that the big catalyst to your success? There's really only two ways anybody could suck up information, right? Because they have to be inspired to buy. 
Right. There's reading and there's watching, right? There's reading something or you're watching something. So there's really only two ways that somebody could get the idea that they have a painful problem in their life and they should decide to solve that shit today by buying a product. But that's the only way you can get those. So when it comes to the baby boomers, I just happened to talk to some of my students last week. They just had their first $6 million month last month and they're on track for $9 million this month. And I'm like, where are you advertising? Oh, all we do is Facebook and native ads, like 60% Facebook. All the boomers are on Facebook. They went on, they learned how to use it, and now they're there, right? And they're not moving, right? That's kind of the main thing at the end of the day. All their friends are there, their family's there. They're on all the time. So outside of that, it's native ads. So those are like the ads that appear under foxnews.com, right? You can have a couple of right. ads there and boom. So baby boomers definitely still love to read and they definitely love to watch. They also love to call people and buy on the phone, right? So it's good to have a little phone number on your website. No, it makes sense. Now, you kind of hit it big and you went number one using VSLs or video sales letters. And this one's always intrigued me because you watch the different videos and people try and copy and try and do things. And I know you deal with that as well. Define what a VSL is for some of our listeners. A lot of people do know, obviously, but what's that mean to you? Yeah, so VSL stands for Video Sales Letter. It is a video that inspires a stranger on the internet to solve their problem today by buying your product. So when I was with my mentors and I was learning high volume Facebook advertising, like how do you spend tens, even six figures a day on Facebook ads and other platforms, we discovered the 80-20 rule of this whole thing, right? What's the one thing that gets the vast majority of the results? And that was the video at the end of the day right? The ad that you're showing people because Facebook and YouTube and Google, and they know everything about everybody. They have a million data points. They know exactly who to target. The problem is people are getting the ad for your business and they're like, nah, just keep scrolling. That's the problem. Didn't hook them in, didn't get their attention, didn't inspire them to solve their problem today by buying your product. Basically six years ago, we figured out that the video was the most important thing. And video just works a little bit better than text because you're reading and watching. So there's a little more modalities going on there. And that was basically it. I was just like, I'm going to commit my life to how do I make a video that inspires somebody to buy a product? That's the one skill I want to become great at is this skill. So I just started every single day for six years, just grinding, making videos that are designed to sell a product to somebody using these ads, cold traffic. And there were so many, just, there was so much bullshit that I was taught that's actually true. Like the first one is like short attention spans, right? That's everyone's, oh, people are getting short attention spans like a goldfish. You can't make an ad longer than 60 seconds, 30 seconds. Turns out the complete opposite is true. The biggest ads in the world are like a half hour long. Some monster ads are between, you can make a monster ad between three and five minutes long. People don't have short attention spans. They just have higher standards on how good the ad should be, right? It should be good. It should be captivated. When people are captivated, they will binge watch a TV show for eight hours. It is a captivation problem, not a, oh, they just have short, it's, everyone's blaming the fucking customer for scrolling <laughs> on their ad. No, your ad right, sucks. Right, 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 that was right. it, right? Stop blaming your other people. Your crappy ad. For products or services where VSLs work well and others where, hey, because I know you've tested literally hundreds and thousands. Is there places where, hey, don't use one here, but they work perfectly for these kinds of solutions? Yeah, so you will find people crushing VSLs in the following categories, right? Anything e-commerce related. Anything e-com related, anything digital course related, anything book a call related, all the biggest campaigns are doing VSLs for those specific things. Anything mostly subscription marketing, you're trying to get someone to subscribe for something. The only place where like VSLs aren't really as popular are lead generation because you really 
just need a very small thing to get someone to put a lead in. So lead gen, like auto insurance and all those different insurance companies, those guys can get away with doing some other things. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it like this, the purpose of business is to help people solve their problems, right? The purpose of marketing is to inspire people to solve the problem today, right? It's to motivate them to take action. In the moment, so yeah. That's all the VS is designed to do is to motivate you to take action and stop living with this problem anymore. I don't really like the term selling because people are often telling me that I'm a good sales guy. I'm like, I don't think I'm a good sales guy at all. I am really good at inspiring people. There's a difference between selling somebody and inspiring somebody to take action. I can inspire people to take action. Bro, stop living with the problem that you got. It's really screwing all this stuff up. You can fix it today. Buy this thing right now. Come on. I feel like I'm a leader helping someone pull them to a better life when I'm like that versus selling is very much, I don't even know how I would sell them. Like you should do this because it's not about selling somebody. It's about inspiring them to get out of the pain that they're in and get into the future that they've always wanted to be. in. And I, I would agree with you there. I think selling, it almost doesn't work. Trying to sell a Republican to become a Democrat or a Democrat to become a Republican or a Catholic to become a Muslim, it just doesn't work. But you can inspire people to search out solutions to problems that they're having. And I think you cover that well. There's hesitancy. Like, I'm a good example of this. I'm a little older school. I look at things a little bit and take a different approach. And again, depending on who my audience is, who I'm going after, because I think the message matters and the different type of VSL that we want to create. What's the biggest obstacle people have or your clients have when they come into your mentoring program or into your master class that they have or from a hesitancy point of view or an obstacle that maybe limits them or stops them from going down this road? Yeah. So VSLs do have a challenge built in with it. They're naturally hard, right? They're naturally hard. Because when I started out teaching people, I was like, all right, I want to help other people get to the top. I want to kind of guide them. I did this like 55 lessons, VSL masterclass, basically my life's work, put it into a, like a world-class training program that I was selling for $25,000. It was a very high ticket, high level stuff. And I had a lot of gangsters come inside of this thing. But unfortunately... The big lesson that I learned, we ended up dropping the price to three grand a month because there were so many other people that wanted to get in and we decided to do it. And why the killers went off and just started killing it even harder, right? Well, what I found was a lot of the younger people, the younger guys who were new to this kind of space and wanted to do VSLs, it was still hard. It was still hard for them because you have to make lots of variations of the ad in order to win. It's not your first VSL that's successful, pretty much your 40th VSL right? All you really need is one banger to change your life drastically. And the road to find the banger is sometimes a challenging road. So I remember talking to the one guy who was like selling, he would help people become better English speakers, whatever translation or language speaking company. And he comes, he's like, Peter, I'm so excited. I just made my first VSL script. I'm like, great. I'm like, how long was it? He's like, oh, it's about five minutes. I'm like, awesome. How long did it take you? He's like, it took me two weeks. Took you two weeks to make a script, bro. You got to move way faster than two weeks for a script. You got to be like making 10 scripts in two weeks and have so many ammunition you can throw at the wall to see what's going to work. You got to kind of go a lot harder here. Very quickly, I started to like dawn on me that no matter how much I teach somebody, there is still a learning barrier, right? There is still a skill barrier. It's still time to write the copy. These guys, it was taking a while for them to like start to get the ball rolling. And it was pretty obvious to me that it doesn't matter how much I teach you, VSLs are still hard at the end of the day. So that's when we started pivoting to AI and trying to find out how AI could do all of this heavy lifting for you. Because if there's ever been a really smart thing that's been created, it's this AI stuff. And thankfully, after some struggle, after some trying to figure out how to get this thing to work, we've cracked some pretty awesome technology that takes the big brain out of the whole thing. No more big brains needed. 
Yeah, you just launched that. You just launched uh, BSL.ai. And now let's talk about that because people worry about AI. And I think formulas are important. And I know you have a formula and really you're the guide in the video. It's kind of like, you know, when we, we talk about in our world about story and the importance of story, we bring them into the story. I got to capture you. The way I would see your role is kind of like you take Star Wars. I'm really dating myself, but, you know, take Star Wars and Luke Skywalker's out on the planet. In comes the guide, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then Yoda. And it seems like your role is the guide and people have their problems, their that the problem to solve, you're coming in, you're not doing it for them, but you're guiding them through the process so that they can unleash that potential, unleash those skills within themselves, build the skills. At first, with the lightsaber, you suck. You you know, may chop your own fingers off or have an injury or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you get better with practice. Does that kind of sum it up? Is that what it looks like doing BSLs? Well, one of the hardest parts of, or one of the most important parts of making BSLs is following a winning formula in a sense. And I get in this uh a lot of times people struggle because they do the least amount of work that they can get out the door and then they don't continue to create after that. So what we've done with VSL AI is I don't have like kind of one formula that I rock with, right? We have 30 VSL formulas that you can come in and kind of test because what we've done is my whole career has been studying a bunch of copywriting stuff, figuring out that I'm just not good enough to write winning campaigns. I don't know what it is. But I don't know how to do this. I start, I open a blank page. I just cannot figure it out and everything doesn't work. So then my mentors told me to pivot and start rewriting winning campaigns. They're like, you're right. You don't know what you're doing. You can't write. So stop trying to create stuff, right? Here's a winning campaign that did eight figures in sales. I want you to wake up at five in the morning and rewrite it. And I want you to do that every day until one of them hits and one of them have blows. And that is the mindset that started to work for me. So I started creating this thing called the VSL Bible, which is like a collection of all these huge VSL campaigns. And whatever product I was selling, I would just kind of see what VSL would work really well with. I could plug it into the formula. That's what I began teaching my students, a similar kind of thing. And then eventually that's how VSL AI evolved into this. It was the question of, hey, can I use AI to rewrite these winning campaigns for my own product? So... Thankfully, you don't have to be the guy with the lightsaber anymore. Typically, the copywriter was the guy with the lightsaber right. burn in hell to get the skills right at the end of the day. But now the AI is the lightsaber builder, right? The AI is the person with the lightsaber. And we have been training it on its own. So you don't even have to go through the training part. You can just sign right up and start getting incredible results. When I started building this, I thought we were going to take a lot of jobs away because people are very concerned about AI taking jobs. But I just had a 71-year-old copywriter, marketer, land his very first client ever using VSL.ai almost by accident. He had no idea how he did this. Some friend was like, hey, can you help this guy? I need to move. This guy sends my 71-year-old client like this email and like just he doesn't even give him directions. He's like, doesn't know what he's doing. He throws in the BSL to AI, and instantly it spits out this like buyer's demographic for who would buy this that would have previously taken him weeks to do. And then it immediately writes him a script to sell this product. And he sends the script to his client, and his client's like, Wow, that's amazing. Could, let's work on this together. Could you do landing pages and emails and like LinkedIn DMs and Suddenly, first client ever, guy lands using this tool. Did not need to know how to use the lightsaber. He's just delivering. He's right. just delivery guy now, right? <laughs> Essentially, that's it. Just delivering the lightsaber to the customer. And that's been pretty amazing. So we've since moved out of VSLs and moved into basically anything you have to create for your business, including emails, sales pages, landing pages. We're just taking the best of 
what the marketing world has ever done in training our AI on it so we can rewrite it for your stuff. That's smart. Because AI will read different data points. I might have read half the internet. So what you've done is populated it with your data, your experience, the things which have worked and things that haven't worked so that it can intelligently come out with opportunity. Because at the end of the day, there's only so many ways to tell the story. Stories are formulaic. And so as long as you're following that. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring ActiveCampaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? ActiveCampaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose ActiveCampaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the ActiveCampaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Peter Cal. Do you recommend as far as, okay, let's say we've got a nice VSL now, we're ready to go, and we have to decide what platform our audience is on. So whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever the case is, do you recommend like A-B testing, starting off small? We've always heard things which we've had guests say, look, spend a hundred bucks for a week and see what it looks like. And then as you get some traction or a hundred bucks a day or whatever the case is or your budget, then scale like crazy when you do get the hits. Is that what you recommend or do you have a different way for dealing with that? I think Facebook is one of the best platforms out there, no matter if you're targeting young people, all the way if you're targeting the boomers. So many endless amounts of people are on Facebook, really. I've done this yeah, for billions, yeah. Billions of people, right? It's really a big number. And you can go really big on Facebook in general. So the name of the game has been the same thing for the last since I got on the internet. It is how do I create a campaign on Facebook that is profitable on day one? So when I put in a hundred bucks, I get 200 bucks back. Now I don't need to go viral. I don't need to raise any money. I can immediately start hitting the gas and growing. And I don't even need a lot of money because sure, if I spend $10,000 today, that's a lot. A lot of people can't afford to keep doing that multiple days in a row, but you got $15,000 in sales back today too, right? So the money just recycled. So you don't need a lot of money. I first learned this from a friend who said that he had a $15,000 credit line and he spent 50 grand a month on that because it just is going, right? It's just recycling. Right, rotating around. I was like, wow, I did not know you could do that. But yeah, just the cash flow. Yeah, that's So crazy. it's small tests until you find the winner. And then you scale that up. And take action from there. Where does BSL, people ask all the time, is it still relevant? Is it still popular? Have you seen it decline? Is it increasing? Like I watch a lot of different videos and you do a great job. If people want to see, go to your website and we'll have all that information on the show notes. You do a phenomenal job. but And you've got some interesting hooks in there as well. How relevant is it today? Do you see it continually growing? Where are we in that growth curve? I never really cared about VSLs. I just care about how do I be the biggest advertiser in the world or like how do I do the biggest? And currently VSLs are the biggest because of one simple thing. It is the least amount of friction at the end of the day. If right. you do a webinar, people got to sign in and sign up. And that is a 30% drop-off rate, right? They were interested, but they didn't want to put the energy into like fill out the form, right? Or show up at the event. Huge drop-off rates. If you're doing short videos, it's just not enough information to inspire somebody to get emotional and want to solve their problem and buy. So if you're doing 
landing pages, sure, it's good, but a lot of times the long form ones are even better. But at the end of the day, the best thing that you could do is somebody scrolling on their phone, they see a video, they watch the video, suddenly they've been watching the video for seven minutes and they're like, damn, I want to buy this. And they click and it goes to a checkout page and they click and their credit card fires. Least friction thing, which is why VSLs work at the end of the day. The least friction is always going to be have the highest chance of success because the most people get sucked down the water slide until they get to the buy point. Yeah, it makes sense. That's why they work the most. It seems in your content and just the way you explain things on your website that there seems to be a formula that's divided into a number of sections. So for instance, we've got to grab their attention, which I know you'll cover that. And I want to see how AI kind of covers that. How does it grab the attention? Because it's got a surprise that you talk about surprise. You got to shock them. You got to shock them right out of the gate, it seems. Then you highlight the problem. You speak to your audience at that emotional level. You're trying for that connection. Introduce the solution. Establish credibility. Provide some proof, authority, some credibility. I encourage them in action and then summarize it and maybe hit them up again. Is that kind of the gist of it? And how does AI accomplish all of that? There's a lot of formulas, a lot of ESL formulas at the end of the day. The first thing you have to do, yes, is to get them to stop scrolling because typically they've been scrolling for a few seconds. Going yeah, you got through. 30 seconds to get their attention, right? You have three seconds, if not a second and a half to really like get them to just, well, what is this? I'll watch this, right? It's the first decision to watch the video that they've decided to do. It doesn't matter how good your video is. If the first three seconds doesn't just get them to stop scrolling. They're called scroll stoppers. It doesn't need to be shocking. It doesn't need to be like, I used to think nightmare stories were the best way to do this. Like people can't look away from car crashes. So I'd always go right into like darkest moment in the story. Like what is the hardest hitting line in the movie? It's just like instant explosion, right? That kind of situation. Now I found out that like really fascinating stuff works really well and is very brand friendly stuff. So what's the craziest testimonial you've ever received at your business? Like the most insane lead with that in the first two sentences is like this amazing thing happened and that amazing thing happened and this happened. So three back-to-back hard hitting, that seems to be a pretty effective way to start out. Those are all kind of epic ways. And VS.AI will look at what you have and it'll recommend like 20 different ways you could hook people at the beginning. 20 different ways, like headlines, 20 different headlines you could use to inspire people. Whether it's interesting questions, we had a really good headline that was like, why are people blessed by luck and other people not so lucky? And that allowed us to put a bunch of weird clips of somebody getting really lucky and somebody not getting lucky or falling over or whatever. That was unlimited creative freedom just based on that one hook for a bunch of ideas. But VSL.ai simply follows the winning formulas that I've installed inside of here at the end of the day. At the end of the day, there is only so many things you can talk to when it comes to inspiring someone to buy, right? Right. Now, now when you're in different industries, it's unlimited. None of these things look identical because it's all the hero's journeys are basically the same thing, but nobody can tell that they're identical, right? They're just like, nobody can still tell that Darth Vader is the father, even though it's following this similar or like, no one can tell that he's going to run into Yoda, right? That is the mentor. He's going to learn all these things. You've seen right. the formula a million times, but it's so unconscious. You don't see it come. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So you end up with a good script. How important is the video, the audio, the sound, the lighting? Do you address that with your programs as well? Because you could have a great script, but how important is the video? Like, I know sound is going to be important. And like I said, I watch your videos. The production values look great. What if I don't have the budgets for those? How do we achieve those? Where does authenticity come into it? Can they be too flashy? Can do it on a shoestring budget? Or can we use our existing technologies in order to do it? What's your recommendation? Cell phones definitely brush, right? Ugly video definitely brushes. We do more professional stuff because we like the vibe. But so many people are just crushing it with a looking down at their phone, blah, 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 talking through the teleprompter that's reading on their screen, right? Some basic 
anything. Authenticity is not as powerful as copy, copywriting, well thought out copy. Not even close. Not That's even. interesting. That's I really interesting. wish it was. I was like, wow, right. just have my amazing authors who know and have great stories tell their own stories. I can just guide them with questions. So authentic. No, did not fucking work even remotely close to well thought out because authenticity is more like winging it. It really is. I'm just going <laughs> to wing it and just be myself. Well thought out, strategically planned copy that you really looked and yeah. read over a bunch of times. Yeah. Surprising enough, well thought out words work better than winging it. No matter how natural it is at the end of the day, you could ring it like a you could read it like a robot, and that'll still work better than being quote unquote natural. How long does it take typically for you to come out with a good VSL? So I know you write a script. You'll get up and write a script every day. Like you'll work on something every day, or you can. I now I just got a push button solution for this thing, right? And it goes, which is nice. And so now you've got your script, and then you find the medium. And then I know on your program, and people can get the information on the website. And again, we'll have it in the show notes because you've got lots of bonuses and different opportunities for them as well, which is terrific to help mentor them and get them through that. Are there any rules? So, for example, if I'm talking to an audience and I've watched some of your videos and they're great, they're entertaining. Now, a couple of things you do that I don't know if I'd have the stomach to do. There's some f bombs that show up in some of your promo in your testimonials you do and from my generation it was like oh yeah don't f-bomb because if you're dealing in a corporate environment or a b2b versus b2c so do bsls work in a b2b environment as well as they do in a b2c environment you have to inspire somebody to solve a problem whether it's right. a business or a person at a business or a grandma at home, right. right now when it comes to the f-bombs i love i do love this topic right because I love authenticity too. I don't want to create a life where I'm trapped and have to hide an alter ego. So if I start out with the F-bombs, I don't have to suddenly, everybody knows it's coming, right? Right. They're signing up for at the end of the day. Yeah, but commercials. in terms of corporate, I just was like a main man. I'm a partner in this nine-figure brand called Mind Valley. Very corporate. I was living with them in Malaysia, super corporate company, 300 plus employees. But I could walk in with a headband on, wearing like whatever time I want, with dressing however I want, talking however I want. And the only reason why was because they had no other option but to work with me, right? I was the best in the world. So being the best offers freedom of I get to do what I want because people love rules in corporate until they need you. And then go, everything that they love goes right out the door. It doesn't matter. They need yeah, they'll break the rules everything. if it suits them, yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. well, I lo love that. And I What's appreciate that. Like, uh, that. I bet there's like a dating quote that's like, girls make rules for the betas and break rules for alphas. So it's that kind of thing. Right. Well, you break the rules. I really like the freshness of your approach. And by some of the attendees and testimonials that I've seen of your programs, people say the same thing. They talk the same way. And the generations do. Our kids do. They talk differently. It's one of my wife's favorite words. But she just chooses the delivery mechanism in, in an appropriate setting, right? Or what we would yeah. deem as appropriate. Break the rules. So, you know, breaking the rules can be good as well. Ideally, as far as people going, You've just launched this program. How's it going so far? I'm stoked as hell. We have crazy reviews that are coming in. Again, we had this 71-year-old get a job. That's amazing. First time ever, which is pretty insane. We have 30-something reviews. We're sitting at like 4.6 stars on Trustpilot. We're just a brand new, I've never built a software team before. So this, this is pretty wild. The wildest thing is our first little ad campaign didn't work very well, but the company was still growing. But usually when an ad campaign, I decided to shut it off, like the revenue just plummets. But our revenue was going up by the day. Like we just had a high score the other day. And I was like, this is weird. Like people are talking about this. Like people are actually sharing it with their friends, like really getting other people involved. This is, 
a weird vibe with this whole thing. And it's all subscription and these AI companies are getting valued like insane. So I couldn't be more excited, couldn't be more happy. We just did this monster drop on this monster development team that built some super future. I mean, I'm pretty convinced that any nine-figure marketing company could be replaced with the new technology that has come out with AI. Building from the ground floor. The problem with most software companies right now is their foundation has been built on old shit. That's the problem. A lot of these companies need to redo everything from the ground floor. And a lot of them are going to be more dinosaur and not decide to do it. Yeah, well, you've recreated a disruptor for sure. And I think that's the key to being there is you've disrupted the traditional models because we, we know they're broken. People don't trust marketing, generally speaking, or big marketing agencies. And these companies attack the formula the same way. And there's a total disconnect between traditional marketing and the sales teams. The marketing comes up with a message, what they think the sales team has to go deliver it. And they're going, who came up with this stuff? And if it doesn't work, they blame marketing, blame sales and with an organization. So it's integrating both of those. And I think you do that well within your programs. And so people can find vsl.ai on your website. We'll put the information in there, peterkell.com, and we'll have all that information. A couple of promos you've got going there. You've got monthly options. You offer money back guarantee for people so they can try the program for entrepreneurs. Question I'd like to ask my guest, Peter, is if you had a superpower, and I think you have more than one, but if you had a superpower or something that you know maybe people don't know about Peter, what would you say your superpower is? I really feel like my superpower is an ability to follow God's plan. I think that's my superpower at the end of the day, is like being pretty in tune with where I'm supposed to end up at the end of this chapter of my life, right? A lot of times it's like, how do you get there? It's kind of confusing, but you know, where is this chapter of my life going to end? I'm pretty clear on it. Like God, God wants me to show up looking like this at this moment so I can turn the corner and go whatever direction he wants me to go then. So I feel like that is a superpower and that superpower allows me to have faith in the topics and the faith allows you to uncover the solution and uncover the light in the tunnel and the breakthrough at the end of the day, think and grow rich style, like spirituality. I'm a huge spiritual guy just because that's worked better than anything has ever worked for me. So I'm a big spiritual person and keep you grounded. Yeah, it keeps me grounded. At the end of the day, it all comes down to basically arriving at your goals, right? At the end of the day, you got a dream, you got to show up there at the end of the day. So that's this weird kind of superpower. I'm able to just land there without necessarily being this ultra genius, which is pretty cool. So just like kind of just get there, which I'm pretty proud of. But typically, it's, I'm just getting hooked up and helped out from man upstairs. Got you. Now, as far as superpowers go, we all have those. Everyone has their own. What's your kryptonite? What's the thing that worries you, scares you, keeps you on edge, maybe keeps you awake, or you're fearful or creates anxiety for you? Any kryptonite that we should know about? Things that create anxiety for me. Yeah, so I am worried for sure about, and this might be this never-ending loop that I'm in, because I've had so much momentum and I've had so much wins for sure that I'm worried about what happens if I don't go all the way. I don't want to fucking, I just, I'm worried about what happens if I just don't like just go for it all the way and just go all the way at the end of the day. Like it would be such a crime for me to just go chill out on a beach now because there's so much momentum and so much magic. And I've just unlocked so much fun things I could create with AI. And it would be such a crime for me not to continue the story. So I'm basically worried about having a shitty story. I think that's one way to do it. You know what I mean? If you look back, yeah, when I was 21 and 25 and 30, and now I'm here and now 35. Like, how could I make from now and 35 be the most epic story I could ever imagine? I got two years left, hard deadline until the book closes there. So there is part of me, I think there, there is like a fallacy when it comes to like people who need to finish something. When like they start something, they just need to finish no matter what. 
And it's just like 10 years into this entrepreneurial journey. And what I'm trying to finish is what I call my college degree. Because people are like, oh, let's go to college. I'm like, yeah, college is great. Oh, you get a piece of paper. I don't want a piece of paper. I want a Lambo. Like a master's degree in business. I don't know about you, but that means you own a jet at the end of the day. Like you built a nine-figure business. You got some serious rainmaker money and you bought a jet with your company. That was what I call a business master. So I'm just a kid in college trying to get his master's degree at the end of the day so that I can go get a job afterwards. So that's my thing. <laughs> Everything is just prep work for the real activities of being loaded and going out to help the world. Yeah, so... Sure. Can you handle this? Peter Kell handle the, let's say it all goes to hell in a handbasket, you know, a couple of years ago, and these are people at the top of their game and they checked out. All right. Because their identity was all around that, their success, if you will. How does Peter insulate himself from that kind of success? Or if something happens, have you got plan B? I've lost my millionaire status twice, you know? I mean, I'm pretty fast moving, reckless kind of guy. You're going to get wrecked when you decide to be reckless at the end of the day. So I lost my millionaire status when I was 27. And then I sold my company. I made millions of dollars. I threw all of that into crypto so that I could get jet money and have my business degree. I took a shot at a business degree and that went to the hell in a handbasket, right? Lost 95% of my net worth alone in Stockholm, Sweden, no business, no job, no team, no products, right? And not even any want to build a business again because I just did it and took an exit. So I was in a pretty uh, catastrophic kind of place. But the light of the tunnel was me and my relationship with God. At the end of the day, I used to go out to a park in Sweden and be like, look at the sky, be like, what's the deal? I thought we were supposed to crush it. You and I both know we could do way more with our life and help the world if we're fucking loaded than if we're broke. Why did we go the broke way? I thought we were going the rich way. What was the deal with that? And he was like, chill out. Everything's going to happen. It was more like, do you believe that something amazing is about to happen? What do you think? Do you think that I literally just fucking took you all the way up, dropped you down just to drop you down and leave you there, right? Or do you think that something amazing is about to happen? So I just like, regardless of all the fires around me, right? I had to decide, well, this God says there's a bigger plan, right? Am I going to believe that? Or am I just going to bitch about that? Right? Like, which one is it going to be? And I had to believe at the end of the day, and regardless of the hellhole around me and the hopelessness around me, I had to be like, thank you, God, for the amazing fucking life that has come in my way. I'm so excited for the dope shit that you're bringing this way. Please make sure that it's easy and clear for me to see because I don't do riddles very well. I need clear <laughs> answers. Don't make it yeah. fucking riddles. Yeah. yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And they sent it to me. You know what I mean? I met yeah. a mission floating on a boat through Croatia. I go back to his house. Turns out Mindvalley is getting wrecked with webinars. They want to do VSLs. They're like, hey, maybe you should do VSLs. I'm like, sure. I remember going to Vision's house. I was like, Vision, what's your Wi-Fi password? He's like, oh, it's $10 billion. And I'm like, oh, $10 billion? Oh, my Wi-Fi password's $170 million. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I'm like, how much equity would I have to have in a company that's worth $10 billion to make $170 million? That's 1.7%. Oh my God, you do not need a lot of money do this whole thing. So I asked him for more than that. And he says, sure. And I'm like, oh my God, we're back in business. There we go. And I learned back in fucking business. I got a shot at the fucking wall again. And then I learned that the grind it took for me to become a dominant force in the industry was so challenging that if I had the money, I would have quit. I would have been like, fuck, I'd rather go chill on a beach in Costa Rica. Right. I didn't have any money, so I couldn't take that exit. My back was against the wall. 
So I had to go through a six-month hardcore, painstakingly hardcore grind of shooting basically 30 documentaries to find which one was going to blow them up. And we got there. It's amazing. Now life's epic again, right? Now life's incredible. And But yeah, that was the whole thing. God was like, I need to do this task. I'm going to take the money away because I know you're going to puss out if you fucking have loaded. Yeah, that was the lesson for me. And it was cool. Uh So it doesn't matter. You can take my money. But you can't take my fucking skills at the end of the day. Like the skills pay right. the bills, right? The bills right. don't pay the bills. My skills pay the bills. Yeah, you got I it. Am, I am not afraid. Yeah. Peter, this was absolutely awesome and refreshing. And you're, you're great to listen to. The website's worth checking out. you got some great stuff on there. I love the video where you give your parents $250,000. Great video and a good story worth watching. That captivated my attention over the weekend and watch it and the reaction of your parents. We'd all love to be able to do something like that. If you're looking to create world-class marketing and sell any product or service online, Peter Kell's the guy peterkell.com you'll get all the information there and again we'll have everything in the show notes and links hey this was really fun thank you so much mike i love to be here my pleasure this podcast is created and associated with summit media my executive producer is beth smith and director of research tori smith the fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting this podcast is subject to copyright by summit media goodbye